Well, welcome back to the front porch. Uh, I'm Fred, and this is my front porch, and I'm awfully glad you're here. Uh, we can spend a little time, maybe talk a little bit, and think together. Um, right now, I'm going to be doing all the talking, but give it some time and leave me one of those voice messages. I really don't know how that works. Uh, I'm still very primitive with this, but I've seen the thing on the site that you can leave a voice message. Try that, and then you can talk back to me so it's not just a one-sided conversation. Um, so that's the beginning. Um, next, i got to tell you where we are today. Uh, last time, I gave you my fundamental beliefs, so if you want to know what the general gist of this is, go back to the last one. Uh, it's called Pilot, I think. Anyway, it's episode one. This is episode two, by the way. Um, and today, I'm feeling kind of like a grandpa about whom I wrote when I was in college. I had a an English class in college with a professor who was a pretty clear existentialist. And... Uh, he was having us read stories, and then we'd have to write an essay about them. And in those days, I was much more of a short story writer than I was an essay writer. Today, I do a lot more essays than I do short stories. It happens. You get old. But in those days, uh, I would write my essay in the form of a short story. And usually, I would have some grandpa explaining to his grandson, uh, you know, the story that we had just read. and answering all the questions and all that, but it was a more creative way, and my professor really liked that, and I was pretty happy. I, you know, unfortunately, it was so long ago, I don't have them anymore, and I hate that. Uh, it would have been about 19, what, 82, 83, 84. Uh, we didn't have computers where we saved everything that we ever wrote. Uh, actually, most of it I did on a typewriter, believe it or not. But anyway, um... I'm feeling like that grandpa today in that um, I'm in the mood to explain a little bit. Um, one of the stories that we had to read was called, it was by Anton Chekhov, and it was called The Lady with the Pet Dog. Although I always thought it was called The Lady with the Dog, which I think is a better title, um, but everybody corrected me, and I guess it depends on the translation you read. I liked Lady with the Dog, but anyway, there's a quote from that that I actually committed to memory. I'm, By the way, I'm not reading to you right now. This is me just talking to you. Um, and the quote, you might have heard it, um, is this. Every intimacy, let's see, every intimacy which at first so agreeably diversifies life and seems a light and charming adventure inevitably becomes an everyday problem of extreme intricacy and in the long run, the situation becomes unbearable. I think that's a great quotation. Um, there are those people who disagree with Chekhov, and there are those, like me at the time at least, who desperately agreed with Chekhov. I was standing and cheering for the guy, and he wasn't even on the Enterprise. No, that was Pavel, not Anton. But part of the reason for that is that it comes from your the way you see the world um, and how you see relationships. For example, if I based my feeling about relationships only on the experience I had as a child and watching my mom and dad, I would completely disregard Chekhov. 
he's totally full of it. Uh, Mom and Dad loved each other forever. Uh, They were always together, and I suppose that it did become an everyday problem of extreme intricacy, but it never became unbearable because they figured it out. And that's cool. I, I really like that. On the other hand, by the time I had gotten around to reading this story, I must have been, what, 20, 21 years old, and by then, like anybody else, I had had my share of failed relationships, and so uh, Chekhov's idea that all relationships are doomed to failure made sense to me. And that takes me kind of to the topic for today, which is perceptions, okay? Now, how you feel about the world is going to ex- affect your impression of your experiences. Um, you, 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 can see, you, you and I can both see the same thing and come away with two completely different ideas about what we just saw. The, the facts will still be the same, but what did they mean is going to differ based on our per- perceptions. Um, in art, there are very few right or wrong interpretations. Now, let's be clear, you've got to get your facts straight. Okay, you could be wrong if, you, for example, uh, you know, you were to say Tom Robinson was found not guilty. Well, I'm sorry, your facts are wrong, and therefore your interpretation will be no good. I'm not willing to discuss To Kill a Mockingbird with you until we can get your facts straight. Okay, but once we understand the facts, art is open to interpretation. That's the point of art. And one of my favorite examples comes from Huck Finn. Now, Huck Finn is frequently banned uh, in schools, and oddly enough, because they think it's a racist book. Um, Now, is that a fair interpretation? Well, sure. If you look at it from one, if your perceptions come from one particular point of view. Um, For example, uh, more than a few times, Huck uses a word that you and I well, at least I, I would hope you, um, but most of us will never use anymore. It is what we call the N-word today. Um, anyone using that word today is probably going to face a pretty good charge of racism. It's a pretty racist thing to say. Um, additionally, there is a great quotation where uh, he's talking about saving Jim, and he and Jim are on, Jim is his friend who is an escaped slave and they're on a raft uh, floating down the Mississippi and they encounter some guys who are hunting escaped slaves and Jim is hiding as much as one can on a raft they have a little tent there and he's hiding there and the guys want to come aboard and see what this is about Uh, you know what's going on and Huck decides he's going to prevent them. And he makes up this great lie that, uh, oh no, I'm really glad you're coming because my man here, he's got scarlet fever and uh, everybody keeps running away from us, but if y'all could help us out. And of course, scares the guys off and, and they leave. Jim was saved because Huck did something he believed was wrong. He referred to himself as a low-down abolitionist and decided that he was almost certainly going to hell. Um, yeah, that's one interpretation. 
Okay, there is another interpretation that what he did was heroic, uh, and there are those who say he's a racist. Now, when you read any story, what is the advantage of reading a story? Um, I'm going to contend there are a couple of them. One is that you then get to experience the world through somebody else's eyes. Um, you know, I wasn't around uh, when Jane Austen was, and I never lived in, in that part of the world in that time. But I have a pretty good idea what it was like because I've spent so much time with Elizabeth Bennet, uh, her, the heroine in Pride and Prejudice. I, I didn't live in the American South in the 1930s, but Harper Lee gave me a pretty good idea about what that time may have been like. And I wasn't around in the 40s and 50s uh, in New York, but uh, Holden Caulfield became my best friend uh, because Salinger brought him to life for me. Um, that's the second thing that comes from reading good stories is a sense of empathy. You will have an empathy for other people when you experience their lives. Um, I have great feeling for Huck, for Holden, for Atticus and Scout and, and Tom Robinson and Elizabeth Bennett because I spent so much time living with them. Um, and that's something that only readers can do. Someone said something once, something like that readers live thousands of lives and the rest of them, the rest of the world, lives only one. I think there's a point to be made there, and I think it's an important point that you want to keep in mind. There really is much more to life, and you have so much more you can experience if I can get you to open a book. Now, that takes us to the real point of today. Um, I mentioned in the first podcast that I'm going to be reading his stories once in a while. Um, sadly for you, there are probably going to be stories I've written because I'll, well, I don't know, I suppose I could read you a Twain story. That's got to be public domain by now, but mostly they're going to be my stories. And today I'm going to read you a very, very short story. Uh, it's called Two Moments Out of Order. And there are a couple of things that I want to point out. Your perceptions of the world are going to determine, I'm willing to bet, the way you understand this story. Um, your perceptions of what happens to Zoe might tell you a little bit about yourself and how you see the world. There's a chance for a little introspection here. And when you're done with the story, it might be worth asking yourself, are you right to see the story this way? And if you are, why? And if you're not, why not? And I'd like you to ask yourself, are you willing to believe that more than one interpretation of this story is possible? So we'll be right back after this absolutely not commercial message, but we'll be right back after the story. So sit down, relax, uh, and enjoy yourself, and we'll be right back. The music of Tom Waits 
was coming from El Floridita, on the corner of Fountain and Vine, and the sign on the restroom door said, out of order. She went in anyway. Mirrors are never out of order. She looked at herself, dissatisfied. She wasn't a little girl anymore. It was time to stop acting like one. She unbuttoned the top of her blouse a little. She let her hair down from the bun atop her head. She opened her purse to search for makeup. There, she found her car key, with the little monkey attached to it. Zoe had won it when she was five. Her mother had let her have a quarter to play one of those grocery store games with toys and a forklift. She had retrieved the monkey on her first attempt. She had, over the last 20 years, confided every childish secret to the stuffed animal. She had others. They were larger, they were more cuddly, but they weren't George. George was special. And now, she thought, unnecessary. She would be finding more exciting treasures soon, retrieving them from where they had lain buried for millennia. She fixed her makeup, she fluffed her hair, and with George in her right hand, she left the restroom to invite the man she had just met to walk her home. Out of order, when you're not around, I'm out of order. Jim, looking down, walked into El Floridita. It was here he had met Zoe two years ago. She had just graduated from UCLA, and she was already being recruited for archaeological studies in Egypt, and he had just been tapped to be in charge of the new King Tut exhibit at the California Science Center. They fell in love over talk of embalming corpses in the distant past. And it hadn't been long before they decided to pursue their futures together. This was the first time he'd have been back to El Floridita since he'd left her three weeks ago. The place seemed somehow emptier than it ever had before. Even though there was a large crowd, some of whom were complaining about the restroom being out of order. A plumber, they were assured, was on the way. He wondered if she ever came back here. It had been, after all, their place. He felt almost as though he were cheating on her walking in here without her. But her number had been deleted from his phone and his from hers, and they had gone their separate ways. She wanted to explore the Pyramid of Djoser, and he wanted to start a family on his curator's salary. They couldn't do both. They both had to move on, alone. And he couldn't stay here another minute without her. He left as he came in, wondering if she was happy in her life, then looked up to see the sunshine. He walked down the sidewalk, grass popping up between the bricks, and he never saw the car key and the stuffed monkey lying there looking helpless. Well, welcome back to the porch again. 
I uh, hope you enjoyed the story. But you see, sadly for you, I was a teacher for 29 years, and I have yet to be able to read someone a story without talking about it. And I don't even necessarily think that's a bad thing. I learned to love Shakespeare because I was like six or seven, and my dad uh, bought me what's called a show-and-tell. It was a little record player with a TV screen attached and a little uh, slide strip that went up and uh, you know, you, it would move itself up and show you different pictures from the story while somebody read a, I don't know, seven-minute version of Hamlet, which was cool. And Dad and I talked about it lots and lots and lots, and it's the reason that I was like 12 or 13, the first time that I ever actually read it all myself, uh, because I got excited about it. Um, and teachers ask questions. So you're going to have to deal with it. I have questions for you. The first thing I want you to know before we get to any of these questions is nobody's grading them. Uh, you are welcome to ignore any of these questions that you want. The only point of them is to increase your enjoyment of the story. And so if you don't like a question, skip it. Second, you don't need to write any of this stuff down. Uh, again, I'm not grading it. The only reason that you might want to consider writing it down is that when I, I find that when I write, it clarifies my thinking. So if you want to write your answers, great, that would be fine. Um, and again, I want to remind you that I'm pretty sure that there is a way to leave a voice message uh, for me on here. <coughs> Excuse me, and you could give me your answers to these questions if you felt like it. Uh, and then we could discuss that perhaps in the next podcast. So with that, Let's give you the questions. First question is the title. Right? Start right at the top. Out of order. It's called Two Moments Out of Order. And for clarity, I want to make sure... I'm not going to tell you what to think, but I do want to clarify this. It doesn't... The title does not refer to the order of events. The events are not out of order. So if that was your interpretation, eh, sorry, wrong. But other than that, does out of order refer to anything besides the bathroom? If so, what? If not, okay, that's cool. What makes you think that? And let's go that way. Um, second, do the lyrics of the song, and if you had trouble understanding them, uh, although I don't think you should have, but I don't know, maybe not the highest quality podcast uh, as far as the technical aspect goes, but uh, what she's saying is, uh, I'm out of order, uh, when you're not around, out of order, and I can't be found, save it for a rainy day, save it for a rainy day. Now, do those lyrics give you a different perception of the story? Maybe they don't. I, it's just worth considering. Third question, did Zoe and Jim make the right choice? to end their relationship? Should they have tried to keep it going for a little longer? Should they have uh, given it up to go pursue their careers? Are careers more important than love? So those are questions that are worth asking yourself. Then, just for the fun of it, who do you think made the decision to end their relationship, and why do you think so? Um, I know we can say, yes, well, it was a mutual decision. I never buy that. Um, 
and maybe that's just my experience that's my perception of relationships but um, I have any number of failed relationships and some of them I made the decision and sometimes she made the decision and sometimes it seemed like a mutual decision but the fact is one of us was pretty much gone before the other one so um, who made the decision and why do you think that one did then a somewhat more interesting question I think art is experience okay any any form of art is something that you experience and uh, John Dewey makes the case that experience is how we learn about the world and about ourselves and in order for that to be the case you have to find the meaning of the experience well let's start with this first how did this experience make you feel and then take it to the next step did you learn anything about yourself from this experience it, if you did what if you didn't okay that's fine um, final and then I believe it's the last question less last question only five can your imagination fill in the stories before and after these two moments um, and that really brings us I think to the most important question um, what happened to Zoe what do you think why do you think so and that is, I think, where you're going to reveal to yourself what your perceptions of the world are and how they affect the way you see everything around you. So, um, those are the main things that we had there. Um, before we finish it up now today, which and we're almost done, so hang in. Um, oh, yeah, were there, were, there was only two moments in this story. Were they enough to tell the whole story? Did you need more? Why? Why not? Okay, now, done with the questions now. Um, people call them shout-outs. That is disgusting. I'm not going to say shout-out. So I just did twice. But I'm not going to say it again because I don't like the term. Um, I will, however, acknowledge some folks that, uh, that were very helpful in this. First... Um, Rio and Corey over at the Moving Forward podcast were the folks that pushed me to do a podcast at all in the first place. Uh, I was a guest on their podcast. If you haven't heard it, you should check it out. Uh, but they decided that I had a great voice for this and I should do my own. So, okay. I don't know how, my great, my, how great my voice is right now. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. But, hey, I do this better in the middle of the night. So, um, that's one. Next, uh, if you enjoyed the background music, I did not use the cheesy, excuse me, Anchor background music. Thanks, Anchor, you're great, but no. Um, I actually got some good music for this one. Um, the instrumental stuff was all W.G. Snuffy Walden. Um, I've actually met him a couple of times. He wrote the music for The Wonder Years and The West Wing, and I guess he's doing a few things now. Uh, that are really extraordinary. He has been one of my favorite composers for about 30 years, and I got to meet him a couple of times, and it's a wonderful thing. I'll tell you that story sometime. Um, the song Out of Order that accompanied two moments was uh, Snuffy playing with his friend, Sarah Nimitz, who was the singer, um, and I've met her a few times, too, and uh, I actually have an entire blog post on... Uh, on, I think it's my blogger site 
Um, I will try to put links at the bottom of this. I don't have any idea how that works. We're getting there. This is only the beginning, as Chicago would say. So, um, But Sarah Nimitz did that song, and uh, it's a wonderful song. And, <coughs> excuse me, it's on, a, on an album called Fountain and Vine, and I cannot possibly recommend that enough. So you ought to pick that up sometime. Um, also, if I can put the picture uh, that I want to put on the site, I have no idea if I can, but there is a great picture of George, the keychain monkey. Uh, and that came from Witty Owl Writers. Um, that is a little writers group of which I am a member on Facebook. Uh, and um, it is also the only uh, writing contest that I have ever entered. I'm 56 years old, and I've been writing since I was like nine, and it's the first time I ever entered a writing contest, and I won. So this was my award-winning story. I am so proud. The deal is you had to write a story of 500 words or less about the picture of the, the little keychain monkey that was you know left on the road so this was the story uh that i invented to go with that and that was inspired by witty owl writers and so uh thank you for them uh i appreciate that and finally if you enjoyed the mix uh that uh of the story itself uh that was done by my friend gary oliver you might know him as wimpy uh he has uh, some presence online as well um, and in future episodes, after I get a chance to get them from him, uh, I'll try to post links to some of his stuff, too. He's, he's pretty good, but he mixed, uh, he looped some of Sarah's music and uh, mixed it properly. Um, I had done a rough cut, and his was infinitely superior to mine, so I was really glad about that. Um, so, that kind of winds things up for us this evening. Um, I'm really glad that you stopped by tonight, and... Uh, Next uh, podcast, assuming that everything works the way I expect it to, I think is going to be somewhat more political in nature, and it will be about freedom and little green pieces of paper. And I'm sure you can't wait to hear that. So, anyway, that's what we have for the evening, and uh, thanks for coming by the front porch. I hope you visit again. Mm -hmm.